0: I needed you to laugh this morning. I needed that because this today, perhaps for some of us, is going to be the most emotionally painful Christmas teaching that you've heard. What we're teaching this morning is something that a mentor has been trying to teach me. I want to pass it on to you uh, with as much detail this morning as time will permit. Um, Among your closest friends that you have right now, there is some great pain. Some of your friends have been ravaged by a spouse who committed adultery. Some of your friends are the spouse that committed adultery. Even among the friends that you know that are women, statistically, one out of four of every woman you know was sexually abused as a child. You, yourself, have been lied to, and perhaps you have lied. You have said things to someone else that has hurt them, and things have been said to you. Something has been taken from you, and it can't be returned. Our current reality in life, and we are stuck with it, is this. You will sin, and you will be sinned against. This is a given, it's a constant, because we live in a world with other sinners. No one gets out of this life without having to deal with hurt, and no one gets out of this life without having hurt someone else. And dealing with this is perhaps one of the most poorly and improperly practiced activities for Christ followers And the results of that are personally for us devastating. You know, the average Christ follower has never admitted to another person that they have sinned against them. And they've never asked that person for forgiveness. And yet, Jesus taught us to speak to God and to ask him to forgive our own sins to the level that we are willing to forgive those who have sinned against us. And the Bible is a book that tells the story of a God who forgives us. And that same God then asks us to forgive others. But a cold, hard truth is this. Of the complete forgiveness. By the way, I love that. I love that. It means the kids are having a great time. But and the truth is this. Of the complete forgiveness that God has offered us, that he has given to us, very little of that forgiveness do we offer others. So clearly, we need help with this. And the truth is, I need help with this too. Jesus... Uh, The one that we celebrate today on Christmas Eve, the one that we're going to celebrate tomorrow on Christmas Day, and the one we celebrate through this whole Christmas season. And if you're a Christ follower, he's the one that we celebrate every single day of our lives. This Jesus teaches us a profound truth in the book of Matthew chapter 18. Let's pick up this story. Jesus is speaking here in verse 23. He tells this story. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. The next verse. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Verse 25. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned in order to pay the debt. Verse 26, but the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Jesus is saying some profound things here. Jesus is saying that forgiveness involves canceling a debt. You see, the king in this story that Jesus is telling, the king absorbed all of the cost himself. It was not his cost to pay, but he absorbed the cost, and he chose not to make this debtor, this offender, pay. Now, I think there's some promises that we can extract as we read through this, and, and here are three things I just want to mention it 's as if the one who is doing the forgiving is making these three promises here 's the first if If he forgives that debt that that was owed, here 's a promise he's making: I will not bring that debt up to use as leverage, in other words. I'm not going to turn around after forgiving the debt. I'm not going to turn around and then use that debt forgiveness as leverage to control you and get you to do what I want you to do. That's a promise that's being made. I'm not going to do that. Here's the second one. I won't bring up the offense to others and slander the person that sinned against me, the person that it was indebted. I I won't slander them to other people. And I think what we're saying here, we're not really talking about getting advice from a counselor, getting good counsel. That's not what we're talking about. Getting good counsel as you go through the forgiveness process. I think what we're really talking about is you won't go talk to to other people and slander the debtor under the guise of I'm getting counsel from them. That's what we're talking about. Here's the third promise. I promise not to dwell on the offense myself. In other words, don't replay this sin that has been done against you over and over and over again in your mind. Don't replay that in your mind over and over and over again. Now, I guess these three promises are important because if we have not forgiven, then here's what we do. If we haven't forgiven someone, then we keep their debt, Before them right in front of them and then we keep their debt in front of others as we keep talking about them And then a third thing we do is we keep their debt right in front of us And we can't escape it Which means this Our desire to make them pay Outweighs my desire To forgive them Now, Jesus goes on in his story. Here's what he says now in verse 28. But when the man left the king... Now, this is the man who had all of his millions of dollars of debt forgiven. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. Verse 29. His fellow servant fell to the ground before him, and he begged for a little more time, be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. Verse 30, but his creditor would not wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Now, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king, and they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant! I forgave you of the tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then Jesus adds this next sobering statement. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow, this is Jesus speaking here. This sounds serious. I think it is safe to say that forgiveness is no joke with Jesus, and this is not casual to God. Jesus is saying forgiveness is costly, but not forgiving is even more costly. You know, something happens inside of us when we refuse to forgive somebody. Now, on the surface, it actually seems rewarding at that time, in that moment. We can actually get kind of a good feeling by holding on to somebody's debt. Because staring us in the face is the cost of what it would cost us to forgive that person. So we're staring at that, we're holding on to the debt, and all the time we don't see that we are actually running up our own bill, our own debt, and we don't see it. When we don't forgive, we're actually hurting ourselves and we never see that. You know what else? When we don't forgive, we're hurting every other relationship that we have, and we don't see that either. And when we don't forgive, we are hurting ourselves spiritually, and we don't see that. This morning, I want to give you several bullet points, several things to remember about forgiveness. Here comes the first one. Unforgiveness changes us. So the servant who was forgiven but remained unforgiving to the other people in his life, did you hear how Jesus described that? He grabbed the guy by the throat and he eventually then threw him in jail. His unforgiveness changed him. Did you notice how quickly justice became Bitterness and revenge with unforgiveness, that's what happens. Bitterness will take over our lives, and that changes us. Suddenly, you are no longer the person that everybody knew. Suddenly, you're no longer even the person that you once knew. Unforgiveness changes us. Here's the next one. Forgiveness is an event and a process. See, we forgive some past hurt. That's an event. I forgive that. But we have to be careful to keep practicing forgiveness so that bitterness does not begin to slip into our future. Here's here's how that plays out. I need to keep, I forgive what happened, that's an event, but then I have to keep practicing forgiveness every single time I see that person. I have to keep practicing forgiveness. Or even every time I think about that person, I have to keep practicing forgiveness in that moment. Because if I don't, I'm gonna be tempted to pull out my IOU pad and write them an IOU that says, I owe you because I've hurt you, I owe you, and then I sign their name to it, and I hold on to that I owe you. If I don't forgive, that's the event, and then keep practicing forgiveness every time I see them and think about them, then I'm tempted to write that I owe you out. So forgiveness is an event, but it's also a daily, moment-by-moment process too. Here's another thing. Forgiveness is not forgetting See, our our minds don't think like that. We don't even have that ability. It is impossible to forget it. So don't even expect that you're going to forget whatever they did to sin against you. You're not going to be able to forget it. It's like telling you, don't think about a pink elephant. Whatever you do don't think about a pink elephant. Stop thinking about it right now. Stop thinking about a pink elephant. No pink elephants in your mind at all, in any shape or any form. No big pink elephants, no little cute pink elephants, no pink elephants. And guess what? You cannot stop thinking about a pink elephant. Or maybe you can for just a moment, just a very short moment, But very quickly behind that, the pink elephant comes right back into the room, right back into your mind, because we can't forget like that. We don't have the ability. That's why forgiveness is an event, but it's also a process, because we can't forget. You know, you're going to be tempted if you don't understand this point, that forgiveness is not forgetting If you don't understand that, you're going to think that you have not forgiven somebody because you can't forget what they did. And you're going to think, well, I must not have forgiven them because I can't forget. Or because you forgave in that past event, you're going to be tempted to hold on to that hurt still today in the present And that, holding on to that hurt today will give you an excuse to punish them in the present. You have to understand, very likely, you are not going to forget. So forgiveness does not mean you forget. Here's a big reminder. Forgiveness does not mean peace at all costs. The Bible does not make it easy for people to sin against you. The Bible doesn't tell us, well, just sweep it under the rug. Just ignore it. It'll go away. You know, quite the opposite. Matthew 18 is full of instruction on how to deal with someone who has sinned against you. We don't have time to unpack that today. But forgiveness is not rolling over and just saying, oh, it's okay for someone to do that to you. Actually, Matthew 18 tells us that sometimes as you're dealing with this, you have to get church leaders involved. And in the country we live in today, sometimes sometimes you have to get the state government to intervene on your behalf. And guess what? Even boundaries are okay with God. God can actually help you set boundaries, get them in place to protect you. If you have never if you're struggling with that if you have not read this book Boundaries When to Say Yes How to Say No to Take Control of Your Life by Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend if you have not read that and you're struggling with that I encourage you get that book order it from amazon.com get it and read it allow God to help you set up some safe boundaries Here's another reminder Apologies and asking forgiveness are not the same thing They are not interchangeable. There's usually some confusion about asking forgiveness and apology, saying I'm sorry. So let's talk about that just for a moment. An apology is for an accident. I bumped into you in the lobby and your coffee spilled on you. That's an accident. That needs an apology. Forgiveness is if I threw my coffee on you then I need forgiveness for that. An apology is when you accidentally step on somebody's toe as you're trying to get out of your row. That's an apology. But when you cheat on your wife and your family, you don't apologize. You repent and you ask them to forgive you. When you drop a dish at home in the kitchen and it breaks, that's an accident. When you cuss them out, that requires forgiveness apologies and forgiveness they're not the same thing so you say okay okay I, that makes sense to me i can i can understand that so if i need to ask forgiveness how exactly do i ask forgiveness well l- let me tell you what not to say as we begin i don't say if i need to ask forgiveness i don't say this i'm so sorry you got upset That's not forgiveness. That's me saying, you really should learn to control yourself. No matter how I act, (laughs) no matter what I do, you should learn to control yourself. So asking forgiveness means this, being very specific about what I did. So it would sound like this. I'm sorry that I did blank, whatever that is. I'm sorry That I did this and name it. I was wrong to do that. Will you forgive me? And it has to be said with the right words in the right way. It has to be humble. It has to be gentle. It it has to own it. It has to claim full responsibility for my actions. You know, there's also a wrong response. If someone has asked you to forgive them, there could be a wrong response to that. You don't say, oh, it's okay. I understand. It's it's not okay. It's not okay to sin against somebody. So instead of somebody asks you to forgive them, you have a decision to make. Here's the question. Will you forgive them? So a better response is... Thank you for saying that. Yes, I forgive you. But there's more. If you had a response, when they sinned against you, if you turned around in a response and sinned against them, then you have to ask forgiveness from them. And you have to say, I'm sorry. I I was sarcastic back. Will you forgive me? Yes, I sure do. It has to be the right words. It has to be humble and gentle. And it has to own responsibility for what you did. You know, grace is always costly. Always. Think with me. What did grace cost Jesus? Jesus, before he came to this earth, he lived in his perfect paradise. And he left that paradise to live upon this sin ravaged planet. That's costly grace. Jesus exited. This perfect God form, whatever his form was as God, he left that behind. And his perfect form had no physical limitations. That's pretty perfect. He leaves that behind and he puts on the limited bone and flesh and blood of mankind. That is a costly grace. And listen, he did not do it just for the 33 years he was here on earth. When he put on the bone and flesh and blood of man, he did it for the rest of eternity. That is a costly grace. Jesus, who is all-powerful, the all-powerful God who was at creation, The Bible tells us not just at creation, Jesus was at creation as the creator. This Jesus, God, creator, allowed himself to be completely cared for by his own creation, Mary and Joseph. God actually made himself an infant who was dependent upon his creation. That is a costly grace. And in doing so, he exchanged his throne in heaven for a dusty, dirty animal feeding trough that we call a manger. It cost Jesus dearly. The very life and body that Jesus chose to put on, it cost him that. It cost him horrific pain unimaginable suffering. What did grace cost Jesus? Everything. Grace is costly. And it's going to cost you too. Grace is going to cost me as well. You see, as a sinful human... When somebody sins against me, I could want to rip them apart. But if we are a recipient of God's costly grace, then we're going to have to practice costly grace with them. As Jesus was telling this story, the king in the story that Jesus is talking about here, the king is... Jesus himself, King Jesus himself. And Jesus came here to absorb the cost of the sins of the world, my sins and your sins. And the cost was so much greater than the millions of dollars represented in this story. It cost him this pain and this suffering and his death. It cost him his life. And this is what Christmas is really, really about. It is more than just the birth. It was God's costly grace. Listen to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. The very name of Jesus means that he left his heaven and he came to this earth to live among the offending creation. That is us. And that is Christmas. Emmanuel. God with us. It was so that he could forgive us. And now, he asks us to forgive as well. This week, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It'll take you just a few moments, minutes, perhaps each day. Will you read 1 Peter chapter 1? The whole chapter, 1 Peter chapter 1. But here's what we're asking. Every day this week, will you read 1 Peter chapter 1 three times? And we're not not being legalistic about this. We just want you to read it several times a day. And you may forget a day, and that's okay. God still loves you. We still love you. I'm going to forget a day. I already know it ahead of time. But do it as often as you can. And three times a day, here's just a suggestion. Maybe read it, that chapter, once in the morning before you leave your house at some point. And then maybe sometime around the middle of the day, maybe on your lunch break, maybe just somewhere around the middle of the day, read that chapter again. And then read that chapter one more time before you go to bed. But here's what we want you to do. Don't just read the words. We want you to do this. And it's First Peter chapter 1. As you read that, each time you read it, think about God forgiving you. Just think about that as you read that whole chapter. And then also think about this. Think specifically about that person you need to forgive. Every day this week, three times a day, read that 1 Peter chapter 1, and think about God forgiving you, and as you read it, picture in your mind that person that you need to forgive. Because after all, that grace and forgiveness that we have received from Jesus, he commands us to turn around and give to others. And it, my friends, is a costly grace. Let's pray and ask God for help. Join me. Jesus, thank you for choosing this costly grace with us. Thank you for stepping out of heaven and onto this world that you created. Thank you for putting on this limiting flesh of mankind all so that you could walk this earth and then willingly walk to the Christ where then you would be able to offer forgiveness to all of those who would repent, God, and turn to you. Thank you for showing us how to forgive. Thank you that you will now walk us through forgiveness with others. And Jesus, we too one day will be able to pray with sincere hearts just as you taught us. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Use our level of forgiveness that we have offered them. Use that as your standard, God, as you forgive us. And God, we need every bit of help that you freely offer to us. If we're going to get to that point, God, we need you. Help us, Jesus. We can't forgive without you. And we ask that you grant everything that we are praying. If it's in accordance to your will, Jesus. Amen.